It is that time again for some critical analysis and informed opinion about the week's top news stories. And that can only mean one thing, the roundtable. Introductions first. It's a good roundtable for you today. Patricia Mazze is the Miami bureau chief for the New York Times, covering Florida and Puerto Rico. Previously, she was political reporter for the Miami Herald. Marlon Hill is an attorney with the Hamilton Miller and Berthesel firm and past president of the Caribbean Bar Association. Jane Rang is a business executive in Broward and serves on the executive board of the Republican Party of Florida. Welcome hey, all. Good morning. Good, good morning. News. Glad to have Happy you time in. here. Uh, Patty Mazze, uh, you have been covering uh, the governor's race, the Senate race. We'll get to your piece about Bill Nelson shortly. But you were up there in uh, Palm Beach Gardens the other night for the Democratic Forum. I found it kind of dull, frankly. Uh, but, <laughs> well, the format, you know, one candidate speaking after another, uh, not speaking to each other. And yet, it seems like the ground is kind of shifting in this race a little bit. You know, it's been strange to watch the Republican side get sorted out in such a quick manner yeah. after the president's endorsement of Ron DeSantis and sort of the money and Republican support shift from Putnam to DeSantis so quickly. It's two candidates. It's easier to manage when you have five. Yeah. What story is happening, is unfolding for us as journalists and for voters? Even here in Miami, I notice you only see ads for the candidates with the most money, right? So that's Phil Levine and Jeff Green. Right, Andrew and, Gillum, not on the air here. And so expensive. you're sort of getting, the, you never get the full picture of the race. And with five people, it's, it's just really hard to hold a debate, honestly. I mean, it to is. the, you know, um, to, I, I can't imagine how you would do it in an hour. But to me, it's just a fascinating, if not scintillating campaign. <laughs> <laughs> well, the I mean, the there's, the there's the not a lot of daylight philosophically between the five of them. Not a lot of big difference, you know, but the campaign is happening up here air up here in the air and the campaign is happening on the ground those are two different campaigns those who can afford afford the air yeah. and those um, who are working on the ground is how it though Absolutely. how much ground i i'm sort of skeptical of how much money there has been spent on field operations i know some candidates have or on behalf of well, candidates well, the Republican side yeah, philip, philip sure. levine yeah, in here too i mean Philip Levine, excuse me, Jay, just a minute. Yes. Yeah, Philip Levine has put together a formidable kind of field operation. I mean, you have to be impressed with the organization he's put together, and yet I think in the polls he's still coming up. Well, I feel up. like I interview a lot of Democrats who still don't know who the candidates are and that there's a race on August 28th. Not, not the most informed, dedicated party uh, voters who are, are really excited about this race. But um, I just, I, it sounds to me like it just feels like it's, turnout's going to be I very do, low. I do think I, it's, it's, it's a rough crowd. you got to yeah, jump yeah, yeah. on the Democrat side, it looks like it's more about name ID, Gwen Graham polling so well, as opposed to uh, Jeff Green, who has spent about $22.5 million of his own money. you got Phil Levine, who has spent about $16 million of his money. And here's Gwen Graham with about $6 million that she has spent, and she's yeah. already polling seven points ahead. Yeah. So there is a big... Uh, advantage in terms of uh, name ID, but I don't know if it has got anything to do with the media uh, ad buys or things oh, that they're doing. You know, Ad Adam uh, Putnam, when he was here last week, told us he he just my words interpreting him. Right. He just is not going to afford South Florida media and Tampa, which is an even bigger media market, 
the expenditures have to be huge to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And then in the Republican side, you have Ron DeSantis, who is getting so much free media courtesy of the president. President Trump, he's tipping the scales there. And I think uh, although Republicans have an advantage, we have two solid candidates. If you look at the Democrat debate that you said was kind of dull, especially the Palm Beach one, if you look at it, they were, uh, except for this is not a drill comment from Gwen Graham, I found nothing else exciting. Education, the yeah. first debate, well, when they, they fumbled that. Trump, they when they talked about Trump, they got excited. Of course, of course. Yeah. That's all they can talk about. And, and the thing I'm going to finish real quick was, if you look at it, the first debate, they fumbled the education question. They did not know what the education budget was for the state. And when mm -hmm. uh, George Bennett from Palm Beach Post asked him a question about, hey, Chris what are you going to... Chris yeah. King knew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think, Jada, you'll find out a lot of things that will excite you on the Republican side, obviously. But I do think that there's a lot to be excited about on the Democratic side. When you put, the, monies, when you put the money aside, when you put the money aside, you have to pay also attention to the number of individual donations. And those folks who are volunteering... Ninety-five percent of Adam Putnam's donors are individuals based in Florida. Certainly, and and, and, he, will, and he will have his he will have his yeah. shot to turn his people out. But among Democrats, you also have to look at who's volunteering for the campaigns, who's coming out with the most energy. This is a close primary. But the thing is, the, the Democrat campaign is nothing except for that uh, Rick Scott bad, uh, Donald Trump bad. And we are you and I can come back in the general well, election and have a talk about that. Well, actually, let's, let's I back. think after August twenty-eighth. It's going to be a lot more substantive. Jay, I have to simply ask you, as yes. the Republican at the table, the Donald Trump um, endorsement of Ron DeSantis, uh, it's just a, kind of, frankly, astounding that it just turned, as Patty said, just turned this race on its head. Adam Putnam, a very solid political figure, congressman, 10 years, eight years in Tallahassee. He really knows state government, been campaigning for a year. So what? Donald Trump comes along and says, DeSantis is my guy. Agreed, and that's because President Trump's approval rating amongst the Republicans, 80% approval rating. Um, in fact, his approval rating has is kind of matching even in the general electorate, not that uh, the Republican primary is, uh, is affected by that. He's close, closing in to where President Obama was in the second year of his term, about 45%. Donald yeah, Trump is over, at 41%. Overall, I would so his say approval the, rating, I think, is the yeah. one, I'm sorry, is affecting uh, you know, how this election is well, going right now. it is. I would point out, Patty, the last uh, figure I saw, President Trump's approval rating overall in the state of Florida is in the low 40s. It's like 41 percent. So we still expect him to come after the primary to campaign in certain parts of the state, at least, for certain candidates uh, to turn out the base because it's looking from primaries in other states like these elections have turned into just base turnout operations as opposed right. to a fight for the middle. We right. actually asked Ron DeSantis when he was here this week about the endorsement for President Trump. And while it may be a huge thing for him in the primary, that might be problematic when he get to the general election. Here's what he had to say. This is a huge state. It's hard to get known. Just to get the type of media coverage we did, people be, saw me go on the stage for a few minutes. That may be the first time a lot of people have seen me. I, I don't know where he stands on a lot of state issues that I've been talking about in Florida. What our voters want to see is, are you constructively trying to help the president succeed? Or are you going out and kind of trying to undercut him? And so there'll be times when I talk to him privately about disagreeing on this or that. So he disagrees with the president on some things. That's I'm still waiting to know what those things are. I have yet to hear one. Listen, and Michael, uh, I mean, 
the president has clearly put himself on the ballot, right? This is, this, he's going to be a factor in the general election. He's, going to, he's also a factor in the primary election, and that's fine. And, and Patty's right. You know, this is going to be a base election in, in terms of who wants it more. Do I like my candidate? Do I believe in my candidate? Yeah. And do I trust my candidate? And at the end of the day, who gets to the tape first? Patty's right. right. Hold on. That's, that's <laughs> we'll the conclusion right the end. More with the right Patty when we come right back after this break. Welcome back. We are in the midst of the roundtable with Jay Narang, Marlon Hill, Petty Mazay. Petty, you were going to jump in on something Marlon had said, I believe, about the governor's race, yes? I think what I was going to say was it was interesting to see DeSantis talk about campaign strategy so open, openly. As a reporter, I was used to so many years of people wanting to pretend that campaign strategy right. was not something. And I think Trump's election, because he was so open about talking about it, now has freed candidates to say you know, like, well, I was endorsed by him, but I disagree with him. But look, it's helping us turn our people out. I just thought that was a really interesting, like, yeah. sign of the times. Candor is nice. Yeah, candor is nice. I'll take it. All right, how about a little candor about the Senate race, Bill Nelson versus uh, Rick Scott. Actually, we have to go through a primary, although Rick Scott will right. be the nominee. Um, uh, Patty, you wrote a very good piece for the Times this week about Bill Nelson. And Bill Nelson made big news this week by telling the Tampa Bay Times uh, that the Florida, a couple of counties in Florida's elections systems have been hacked, but we've yet to see any mm. evidence from him. He says that's classified. It was sort of an alarming and cryptic statement um, about Russian interference, which we know they tried to intrude into voter in registration systems in 2016, which is not yeah. the same as vote tallies. Election supervisors are very clear about that. It's not changing the numbers of the votes. It's the voter rolls that they're trying to tap into. And then he said, well, that's classified and I can't go into more detail. And so that ramped up Governor Rick Scott's team and the governor himself saying like, well, give us more information because we have nothing and you can't to, just say this. To be honest, the only hacking or anything close to that is Broward SOE. If you look at the wording that was... Supervisor of elections. Supervisor of elections Well, in but Broward this turned County. into a three-day thing with the feds because... because he said there but, are counties who that have been hacked. Right, but, and, but, you know, election supervisors don't have clearance for classified information, which is sort of an ongoing struggle in trying to, like, get information from the federal government to the locals. And it ended up with, like, the Senate Intelligence Committee having to come in and, like, not confirm or deny the comments. Yeah, yeah. Ken uh, Detsner, the Secretary of State of, uh, for Florida, he wrote a letter to Senator Burr, who's the uh, chairman, chairman of the Select Intelligence Committee, and he said that no knowledge, sent it back, talked to the yeah. federal law enforcement, he talked to them, they said no, there's yeah. nothing but on those lines. Rubio, Mark Rubio, Mark Rubio tried to give Nelson a little cover. He didn't say it's not so, but he didn't really say much about it, except you election supervisors be very wary of people trying to get but in. But at the same Mark time, Parker, the Department ranking Democrat in that intelligence committee also sort of gave Nelson like threw him a bit of a, a, a leash and said, like, he hinted that maybe he was right, but that they can talk about it. So we're all in this position of just uh, knowing we have to be alert, we being the election system in the state of Florida, but not Duh. really having the details. I mean, that's something that everybody it's, it's knows. There's a very big difference uh, between being alert to something that could right. possibly happen and may have even happened in the past. But listen to this. And having specific information that there have been specific counties that Russians have hacked into. That, that is a big difference. Yeah, very and listen difference. to this. Sarah Sendek, uh, spokeswoman for Department of Homeland Security, Here's what she says. While we are aware of Senator Nelson's recent statements, we have not seen any new compromises by Russian actors of election infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, this is Department of Homeland Security saying that. However, the point I was making real quick is that in Broward County on Friday, there was a summary judgment that 17th Circuit Court, uh, court 
uh, Judge uh, Rock Single issued with the surprise of elections having botched the absentee ballots, how they were processing um, as opposed to taking that to the canvassing board, that's something which is an issue in, that in should be moved election. into. In a past election, they're not botching yes, them but now. They're saying, but they're saying that keep an eye on that and you can't do that anymore yeah, well, because they were supposed to take those ballots I, that I were have, questionable to the canvassing I, board. I, I understand, Jay. I have to say I have no personal knowledge, but I had a long Here's talk on Friday with Dr. Brenda Snipes, the Broward election supervisor. I went through the office. She assured me and assured voters in Broward that the system has integrity. And well, this is paper bridge. ballots. Florida still yeah. votes with paper ballots. I, had a, no, no, I, had a I think that's important the, for people to know that. Hank that's Chad yeah, just not electronic. Well, I think we're past that, Jay. I think I had a recent interview with Christina White, supervisor of elections for um, Monday County, and she gave the same reassurances as well. Listen, you know, early voting begins on, on Monday, 7 a.m. In, in Miami-Dade County, and later on in the week in Broward County. Voters need to, need to know that, listen, you're doing your vote by mail, make sure it's completed correctly. If you want right. to deliver it in person, you want to do it by mail, no postage. Folks just need to get out and really change this. 2014, only 15% turned out. That is totally unacceptable in the midterm. What do you, with the sort of the zeitgeist that you're seeing now, I mean, you, you were on the radio yesterday mm -hmm. talking about this. Uh, I know when I go out and about, there are people who are so mm -hmm. politically connected, most of our viewers are mm -hmm. like that, but the average Joe can't even name the candidates. They need yeah. help. They need help. You know, if they call someone like Jay, he, he would give them um, his recommendations, of course. You know, um, media personalities like... Um, I don't give recommendations. Don't make him recommendations. Nope. Uh, she may give... Go and see our endorsements from... No, I don't. I say read the news stories and make up your own mind. <laughs> well, recommendations I would not really do is, as Broward Republican Party giving out recommendations of Democrat judges. I will certainly not do that as part of my recommendations. All right, before we start to get into the weeds here, let, let me just say I thought there was a fascinating moment on Friday when Governor Rick Scott went up to Jupiter and got in a boat with fish and wildlife officials and they rode through some of that awful green toxic goop. And, uh, and Scott apparently got briefed here, but there were a lot of people on the shore who wanted citizens, residents, business people, who wanted to talk with him about this, this dire situation. And Marlon, the governor, they said, first of all, there was a security issue and he never talked to a regular citizen. The, the funny thing about politics, Michael, is that, you know, people are going to be who they are. You, you have to meet them where they are. You know, Governor Scott, he's never been the kind of retail po politician as far as um, the campaign to the last two terms. That's just how he is. Unfortunately, he's in a different electoral environment now. He's running for a different seat. And he's going to have yeah, to. But he's but still in the governor's defense, I mean, he's doing his job. That's what his job is, and he's quietly going about doing his job. He's yeah, not meeting, trying to turn that into with an the election public, issue. Meeting with the public who have a complaint about a serious issue. But we hired him to do a certain job. He's quietly going out and doing his job. Not every time he does his job, he needs to go out and meet with the public. Actually, I think after um, the security issue was debunked, uh, I think it was more of a timing issue because his campaign staff said he had to be in Tampa for a campaign appearance so that according to his campaign was why he didn't have time to meet I mean they certainly people. botched the messaging that there was a security issue and yeah. a campaign issue but I think uh, mm. from from my perspective as a citizen of uh, the state of Florida I would like my governor to go out and do his job quietly and not turn that into a political issue there is a big problem at yeah. st. Uh, Lucy well, River he, with he, the algae he certainly he has not he... say Chris Christie we we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna have back with more roundtable after a break stay with us
Welcome back to the roundtable, switching gears a little bit here. Uh, in Broward County this week, the parents of several of the victims of the Parkland shooting in their profound grief uh, stood up at microphones. They are into politics now. They are backing a severe change for the Broward School Board. And I guess, Marlon, we get to see now if what has happened February 14th and this grief that is spurring these parents actually will make a difference in mm -hmm. the political landscape in this election. It's, clear, it's clearly going to be on the ballot for the school board elections. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think the community has actually healed yet. Right? So this is happening concurrently oh, sure. in yeah. the middle of an election. It's going to have an impact. And unfortunately, Superintendent Runcy, who is a highly qualified education professional nationally, is being thrust into this cauldron. Right. right. His, his job is really on the line here. If the school board changes, if the majority changes, and there are going to be five new school board or five positions filled in August or in November if there's a runoff, and if uh, if these Parkland parents get on there, he's probably they're going to try to fire him. That is definitely the case. Um, school, school security is going to be the target issue, but there are all the issues that the superintendent is also taking care of. So he's going to have to find this balance. One, I think he has to get his communication message clear. Mm -hmm. Changing these decisions midstream yeah. is really eroding confidence, and if he can get back on track, he will he will be retained. The community certainly has not healed and it will not heal for a long time. Think about these people. They have lost their children by that fiend who murdered yeah. those kids. So uh, hats off to these parents that they have taken the mantle like our founding fathers and said, no, we're not going to wait for somebody else to do something. They marched on Tallahassee and got the MSD High School Safety Act passed and then they mm -hmm. came back and then just rest on their laurels and now they're trying to fix the problem. Even with the Safety Commission they went to Columbine, uh, security director sat with him, did the interviews, got the information from there just this yeah. past week. They are now talking about issuing a subpoena to the mayor of uh, one of the cities where the progress is not being made up to snuff. So they are not waiting for anything to happen and yeah. that's what they are doing with the well, school board as well. If, if we can, let's listen to Tony Montalto yeah. whose daughter was murdered uh, on yeah. Valentine's Day, February 14th. Here's what Mr. Montaldo had to say. The current school board has failed to properly prepare the county's 234 schools for the upcoming school year. That, that message was about what we're talking about, security. Patty, what I'm hearing from you know, Gina's dad, from Ryan Petty, whose daughter Elena, was killed, who's now running for school board, Lori Aladef, whose daughter Alyssa was killed, now running for the school board. Their message is accountability. And every time we see something uh, about the investigation, like this redacted yet unredacted Nicholas Cruz uh, interrogation, more and more evidence comes out that so much fell through the cracks that possibly the school board members knew about, or the school district employees knew about, that allowed February 14th to occur. What they want is accountability. Has there been enough? They don't feel that way in part because the school district was going to have its own sort of internal investigation by a former Secret Service uh, employee who, who said he would do it and then they called it off like a week after 
um, hiring him because they said there would be too much overlap in the interviews with the interviews being done by the state commission that was created by the legislature. That commission met this week in sunrise two days. I was there one of the days. This was after a very contentious school board meeting where in public they started raising their voices at each other over this other decision that really bothered the parents, which was we were going to do a pilot of metal detectors at Stoneman Douglas, and then they backed off. They backed off because a consultant in the middle of the planning said, you know, there's going to be a bottleneck effect when you have 3,000 students walking in and out, and we haven't figured out how to deal with that. And so they, they backed off the plan. That upset some of the parents. You know, some of the parents feel that other school districts have done more over the summer to get ready for the new school year security-wise than Broward. And I have a story in today's paper, actually, about, about uh, districts across the country doing this. But it's more emotional in Broward. Like, it's inevitable that it's going to be uh, more complicated because it was the site of such a horrific yeah, shooting and, and people have so many have ideas of what they want to see done and the state commission is still meeting and still has to subpoena witnesses because mm -hmm. they're doing a very extensive job mm -hmm. so like Michael was saying this is healing is going to take a long time yeah, yeah. And the, the, and for these parents that they will always live with this pain that yeah. will never heal so one of the candidates he neglected to mention was Rich Mendelson yeah. and I reached out to him yesterday he is a second-generation educator uh, who actually used to uh, teach at uh, Marjorie Sonman Douglas and uh, talking about opportunities missed he was the John uh, Flynn oh John O'Neill of this uh, school board situation where 10 years ago at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas when this building was constructed he was teaching there he walked up to the assistant principal there and told her about the security issues he saw because he is a security yeah. consultant as well and he was told by the assistant principal Lucille Flynn that you are an alarmist well, and they gonna, blew it off so this yeah. and there's a lawsuit that he's pursuing right. now well we'll, yeah. we'll get excuse me we'll get Mr. Mendelson and some of the school board candidates sure. on this program yeah. and these are real issues to discuss. I would like to say we'll get Lori Rich Levinson yeah. uh, on the show. She is one of the incumbents. Right. Uh, I think he's running against her. Mm -hmm. Is it Lori Aladev is running no. in that, uh, yeah, in that district yeah. against her? Well, uh, we thank you all for coming in. Excellent roundtable. Thanks for having Patty, us. I'm going to look. Didn't see your piece yet in the Times, but I'll get to it. Shameless plug. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Jane Orang, thanks a lot. Great to thank have you, you always. Thank you.